0: Very good. Well, uh, to start off the service today, I want to uh, give an opportunity for a special testimony. Um, So often we pray for things, and then we never get to hear how they work out, and so um, I'm going to ask Marianne and Alicia to come forward and kind of share what uh, God's done. Are you guys all right to share a mic?
1: Good morning, everybody. I'm gonna back up to 2021. There was at some point when I stood up in the same pulpit and told you that I was gonna be retiring or semi-retirement in 2022, in September. And um, actually, I've already started part-time. But, um, and I asked for you to pray, and you did. And God answered those prayers in November of 2021 by sending us Carter Heller, a 21 year old. And so after seven months of putting time and energy into her, she surprised us all by putting in her two weeks notice. And that was the middle of June. So then we found ourselves back in the same boat trying to find someone to replace me eventually. So um, I think it it was June the 24th that Roe was overturned and two days later was that sunday and i couldn't come i had covid so i couldn't come to church but the next sunday following was july the third and i was able then to praise god that you know that horrible 49 year old uh, decision had been overturned and everybody was rejoicing with me and then at the end i had this little downer to share with everybody that (laughs) you know we were back to square one at west virginians for life looking for somebody and out of the corner of my eye (laughs) I saw Alicia Martin just burst into tears.
2: And now I'm going to tell you the part that Mary Ann didn't know at that moment. (laughs) So I had come to West Virginia a couple of years ago on a temporary job assignment, met Mary Ann, and uh, discovered that she was involved in pro-life ministry, which had always been near and dear to my heart, and uh, when I learned that she was gonna be resigning, I started praying. It's like, Lord, do you want me to stay in West Virginia? Because being able to step into her job if they were interested in hiring me would be really, really neat. But then the temporary job assignment I had became permanent because the very, very special Islamic family for whom I was working asked me if I would stay. So I said yes. And in the middle of all that, in the back of my heart was, well, I guess God didn't want me to step into Marianne's position. And so I started praying for someone to step into the position, and the Lord provided somebody. And uh, in the months that followed, I asked Marianne, how's she doing? Pray for her. In the back of my heart, there was always just this little tug in my heart. Keep keep praying for West Virginians for life. And um, then my job with the Islamic family fell apart, and now I was going to be unemployed in the summer of 2022. And... When all that was going on, one of the prayers on my heart was, "Lord, did I make a mistake?" Because I kept thinking about the job that Marianne was retiring from, and how I had tugged on my heart. But God had provided somebody else for that, so I just kept praying, it's "Like, Lord, remember me. I'm the one without a job uh, this summer." And um, so then it comes along that um, Marianne, well, the, the, the comes Marianne makes the the the. Uh, She talks to us by video after Roe v. Wade. And that Sunday, again, I'm praying about this job. It's like, Lord, remember, I'm the one without a job. And I thought, maybe that was for me, but it's not. So where do you want me? The following Sunday, July 3rd, comes along. And uh, I'm here in the morning and haven't seen Marianne yet. And um, when I'm waiting for the service to start, one of the really special friends from the Intercessors team comes up to me and says, can I pray for you? and we're talking and um, what can I pray for you about? Employment, I don't know if I'm supposed to stay in West Virginia, I don't know where I'm supposed to work, so he prayed for me. Less than 15 minutes later was when Mary Ann made the prayer request about needing somebody to fill in for her again because Miss Carter had just resigned and that's when I burst into tears.
1: <laughs> so there I am thinking, okay Lord. Is this the one? <laughs> and I knew about Alicia's background. I knew that she had a real heart for the for the issue, for the movement, and that when she lived in California, she had done some tabling, and debated people about the issue. So if you can debate people about the issue, you're you're pretty you know sold out to it. So I, I thought, board, please, could this be? Because we had spent so many months searching for Carter to begin with, and I, I knew my. Her last day was June 30th, and July 1 was my first day to be part-time. So if you've ever tried to train somebody, you know it takes twice as long, and here I was going to be doing on a part-time schedule, and I'm just like, in my own humanity, Lord, how is this going to work? But then I'm reminded of of the verse in Proverbs uh, that says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths, which he certainly did, (laughs) because um, as the service unfolded, um, Alicia ended up at the altar, and um, I just felt the tug of the Holy Spirit. It was just so heavy on this in this place, and so I went up, and I, that's the first thing I think I said to you was, "Man, the Holy Spirit is so heavy right now." And I said, "I don't want to presume anything," and we just uh, started praying. And then I was telling her about the job, and we were laughing and we were crying. And I think some of the crying was maybe her relinquishing, you know, her rights to her own agenda to the Lord, uh, like, Lord, I know you want me to do this, but it's a heavy burden because uh, it, it is big shoes to fill, but, and yet it was tears of joy as well. So I'm going <laughs> to give it back to you.
2: Yes. So that was also the Sunday that the youth shared, and um, Pastor Nathan had encouraged us when we, if we need a prayer, ask, grab one of them, have them pray with you. And, you know, I can't remember the name of the young lady that prayed with me that this morning, but God just gave her the perfect words. And then she went back to her seat. I stayed at the altar, and I kept praying because at that point, all I knew was that the job was open again, but that didn't guarantee that that's where God wanted me. I mean, everything seemed to be going in that direction, but I didn't want to presume. So I'm I'm staying up here. I'm just praying. It's like, Lord, I don't want to presume, but I do need to approach Mary Ann. What, What words do you want me to say? And I didn't have to say anything because God brought her to me, <laughs> and um, and so when I sh- turned around and shared with her, it's like I don't know if now is the time and place, but I need to ask you about applying for your old job. And that's when we just cried and laughed, and that was that was when we knew that God had indeed orchestrated all of this.
1: <laughs> so that was July third, and I think we hired Alicia on the tenth or eleventh. I mean, it wasn't wasn't very long at all and uh, we just knew that we knew that we knew that she was the right one and so i i just hope that this is an encouragement to you if you've been praying for something i mean that was a quick answer to prayer the first time around it took months to find carter and then of course it wasn't in god's plan for carter to be there um But uh, I know that there are prayer warriors who are praying for Alicia because in the short time that she's been with us, and it hasn't even been a month yet, she has learned more than her predecessor did in seven months. I mean, it's just um, the whole thing's been God-ordained. I truly believe that. And, um, oh, and, and here's another thing. I mean, of all the churches in Morgantown, that God would lead her to this one, and allow our paths to cross, and for her to be in the in that service, because she oftentimes goes to the morning service. I mean, it, it, you couldn't script it any better than that. You really couldn't. And when she looked at me this past Wednesday and said, Mary Ann, thank you for giving me a job that I love. That just, I mean, it's, it's just a miracle. The whole thing is miraculous, and I hope it does help to, to build your faith And encourage you and give you hope keep on praying if you're praying for something and um, I do think that uh, Alicia is my Esther you know there's that verse in Esther um, chapter 4 verse 14 perhaps this is the moment for which you have been created Um, other uh, versions may say something like and who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this and I do believe the times right now are really um, we're in upheaval. As you can see, Roe has been overturned. We're now back to the states for what's going to happen. And even in West Virginia, where we have a Republican-controlled House and Senate, we are having problems. So uh, be p- be praying, if you would, for our organization, because we're really working closely with them. And um, Alicia's just cut out for it. <laughs> she loves it. And if you don't have anything else to say, I guess we're done, but I'm going to...
2: Well, there, there's for the sake of letting you all have a God's eye perspective, one more moment. There's one more piece of the story. So July 3rd was the day that I was up here and God brought Mary to me. But at that point, we didn't say anything to anybody other than each other because I was going to come to the office a couple days later to interview. So I interviewed um, and I was officially hired. But then The next Sunday, uh, but the job wasn't going to start for like a week. So the next Sunday, uh, I come back here with with Marianne, and Marianne asks, uh, would you like to ask Pastor Nathan and Pastor Ed, who was here at the time, to pray with us before next week? And I said yes. And so now I'll let Pastor Nathan tell the very end of the story. (laughs) Yeah,
0: so... um the Sunday, the third, the Youth Sunday, I had the opportunity to see them praying at the altar together, and the Holy Spirit told me that uh, Alicia was going to take Marianne's job. But it wasn't my time to tell them. God said, when, when uh, it happens, you're to affirm it. And so they come up to me like they have all this great news that I'm supposed to be surprised about, and I'm just smiling the whole time. And then I told them what God had showed me. And I said, yes, I am here to affirm that because the Holy Spirit has made this happen. And then as I was praying over them, I prayed that uh, Elisha would have a double portion like Elisha had from Elijah. And after we were done praying, my dad said, that's exactly what I was praying in my heart at that very instant. (laughs) So confirmation upon confirmation. But uh, God is doing miracles. And you all are a part of that. God did that here in this room. And uh, I'd like to say a prayer for you both at this time as a church for where God's leading you. Lord, I thank you for Marianne and for Alicia. And yes, Lord, they've both been called at the time and place where you designed them for to be, Lord. And in this battle, although this victory uh, with Roe v. Wade is, is a great one, Lord God, the battle rages and it's, it's a battle for the value of life from conception to the grave. And so, Lord, I do pray that you would equip Alicia with everything that she needs. Help us to support her and do what we can, Lord God, uh, to not only uh, protect life, but to point to life eternally through you, Jesus Christ. And I thank you for your perfect timing and your perfect plan. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, ladies, for sharing that. Amen. You're going to get an opportunity to hear more testimonies. Um, the last Wednesday of the, of the month, we're going to have um, uh, uh, Mackenzie Baker and her husband are going to be here from YWAM, and they're going to share testimony and, and let us eat ice cream with them. So I think the ice cream is just to get some people here, but for the most part, the, the, real, the real dessert will be hearing what God's been doing with their mission work. They've been stationed in Texas, and then uh, Emily Pumphrey got back from Hungary And uh, so, Leah and I met with her on Friday, and she's so excited to share with the church. really felt like God sent her as our ambassador to Hungary. And so, we're just going to pick a Sunday morning when she's ready to share what God's done. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to uh, to Zechariah. We're going to start just to read a small passage in 7, and then we're going to move to chapter 8. Today's sermon is entitled, I Am Determined. There's a movie that came out many years ago now. It doesn't seem like that long ago, but it's called The Village and it's based on a group of people who've experienced great sorrow and tragedy in their lives and so they decide to try an experiment. Maybe if they live in isolation, they and together with a with a combined purpose, they can start a utopian society. And so they they adopt simple living. They don't drive cars, there's no electricity, no machines. They dress like the Amish. And uh, they speak an older English dialect. And in the movie, Edward Walker, the leader of this village, has two daughters. Uh, The older's name is Kitty. And she falls in love with with a young man named Lucius. And so she goes up to her father and asks permission of her father to marry him. To which the father says, does this young man know your intentions? And Lucius is a quiet, somewhat shy young man. And so she admits... That uh, she's not sure he feels the same way. And so Mr. Walker encourages his daughter, Kitty, to share her heart with the young man. And so the next scene shows her approaching him and saying these words I wanted to tell you something. I love you, Lucius. I love you like the day is long. I love you more than the sun and the moon together. And if you feel the same way, then we should hide it no longer. It's a gift, love is, and we should be thankful. We should bellow it out with all the breath in our lungs. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And then the next scene, she's crying on her pillow on her bed. Because Lucius does not feel the same way. Have you ever felt that way about someone, though? Where you love them so much that you want to proclaim thank you over and over again. Has anyone ever loved you that way? Now, we might not all be able to relate to that kind of passionate love, but we can all relate to Kitty's heartbreak when those feelings were not reciprocated, right? Many tears cried on our own pillows. Today, we're going to talk about God's love and His passionate pursuit of us. He loves us more than Kitty, than the sun and the moon. Believe it or not, every morning the sun declares his love. The sky is painted afresh and anew, a beautiful picture that God has designed for us every day. He creates beauty all around for us to delight in, and he's crazy about us. So that's what today's message is about. So, if you remember last week, we had a group from Bethel come to Jerusalem approaching the prophets and priests with a question, and their question was do we still need to continue to fast and pray twice a year in honor of the temple that was destroyed so it was in the process of being rebuilt and they're saying can we turn our sorrow into celebration in response God answers their question with a question to cut to the heart of the matter and his question is did you really fast for me in your feasts and festivals aren't you only indulging yourselves and we came to the same conclusion, right? Even as we looked at our own uh, national feasts and festivals and, and even our, our religious calendar, that most of the time when we do these things, it's more about having a day off or a cookout or a swim party, and we don't even focus on what the event is really about. What God really wants for us, though, is for us to look like Him, to share His character. And as a parent, I would say the same thing about my children. I really don't care if they end up multimillionaires. I really don't care if they're famous or there's somebody in the community. I want them to have the same character that I pursue in Jesus Christ. Zechariah 7 9-10 says, This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says, Judge fairly and show mercy and kindness to one another. Do not oppress widows, orphans, foreigners, and the poor and do not scheme against each other. That's what he wants. They say, do we have to continue to have these festivals? He says, no, this is what I really want. I want you to look like me every day in community. The chapter ended with it being really clear that the consequences we face, the hardship, the destruction in the land, is a result of our sin. We did this. And if you read the context, you did this, you did this, you did this. And God having to bring consequences is always ultimately for our good. So, after that, you got this this tough love discussion with God. He ends the chapter saying, yeah, all this death and destruction and heartache and and persecution you face is because of the choices that you've made, not because I hate you. We get to chapter 8. And I love chapters like chapter 8. Because sometimes Scripture beats us up pretty good, right? And we need that. We need tender eyes. But when we get to chapters where he pours out his love on us, and it's awesome. So, here we go. Chapter 8, verse 1. Then another message came to me from the Lord of Heaven's armies. This is the, what the Lord of Heaven's Army says. My love for Mount Zion is passionate and strong. I am, cons- I am consumed with passion for Jerusalem. And now the Lord says, I am returning to Mount Zion, and I will live in Jerusalem. Then Jerusalem will be called the faithful city. The mountain of the Lord of heaven's armies will be called the holy mountain. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Once again, old men and women will walk Jerusalem's streets with their canes and will sit together in the city squares. And the streets of the city will be filled with boys and girls at play. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. All this may seem impossible to you now, a small remnant of God's people, But is it it impossible for me, says the Lord of Heaven's armies? This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies says. You can be sure that I will rescue my people from the east and from the west. I will bring them home again to live safely in Jerusalem. They will be my people, and I will be faithful and just toward them as their God. When you hear a passage like this, right, doesn't it make you want to say, Thank you! Thank you! Thank you, right? Like, this is... A passionate love of a God that's that's treating us with such favor that we don't deserve. Sometimes in the midst of our dark, trying times, you can question God's love. and And we can all relate to this. We've gone through political unrest and continue to do so. Social justice issues, pro-life, COVID, gas prices, recession, too many to name. I'm at the point where I'm just done talking about it all, right? Like, I'm so frustrated. I don't want to hear the word COVID ever again, but it's still part of our daily walk. All of these things are crushing us and pressing in on us. There's division everywhere, not just outside the church. There's division within the body of Christ as a whole, and there seems to be no rest. And that's on top of the typical things that will happen in your life, like losing a loved one or having health issues or, or a job situation or strife at home. And so we've been through these dark times as late. And so our question is the same. Can we stop mourning? Can we just just stop hurting and aching? and Can we hope for something more? And then with a resounding shout of love from heaven, Scripture says, yes, his love for us is compassionate and strong. It says God's love for us is consumed with passion. Now that's such a unique word, right? Consumed. Because it often has to do with food or fire. When you consume something, you're eating all of it. You're you're taking it into your body and it can never take that same form again. It has been changed forever. Same way with fire. If something has been consumed by fire, what comes out on the other side will be something entirely different. It's a complete devotion. His love is a total commitment. What it says here is that he's all in on us. He has no reservation. He's holding nothing back. You know the best marriages are the ones where both spouses hold nothing back. He's all in on us. And then the next bit of good news is even better. God's presence is returning to Jerusalem. If you read Ezekiel 10 and 11, we have a vision of God's presence leaving the temple and then Jerusalem and then going eastward as the sins of the people end in Jerusalem's destruction and they're forced into exile. Most of us don't understand the sorrow of not having God's presence. I had a church member tell me one time, and I I won't mention the name um, because I didn't get permission to share the story. But I had a church member tell me one time that life was not, following Jesus, life was not going the direction they expected it to. And they were angry, and they were frustrated, and literally in one day they gave up on God. They were done with Him. But they told me that by the end of the day, they came back to God. Because life without His presence was so much worse than without they couldn't. they couldn't exist without Him. It didn't change the fact that they were angry and upset and, and unfulfilled, but they knew that they needed God so desperately. And so, so that's, can you imagine life without His presence? He's saying, I'm returning. I'm restoring the relationship. I'm not just coming to visit once in a while. He says, I'm going to dwell with you. I'm going to dwell with you. I'm going to live in your home. I'm going to eat your Cheetos. I'm going to sleep in your bed. I'm, I, I'm, going, to, I'm going to use up all your toilet paper, whatever that means. I, I'm going to dwell with you. And the result of that is peace. And they illustrate that, that the old men and women are available to sit in the city square and not fear and kids can play in the streets and you're not worried about somebody's nabbing them God's presence will change the very culture that is so toxic how many times have you reflected on those days those of us who are old enough to remember those days where those things were true I can even remember from my childhood I I lived on Linden Street just up from Morgantown High and I remember running around the neighborhood. Uh, There weren't fences around Morgantown High. There was the old dirt track around the field and it was still a grass field and I'd ride my bike around it and all the rest. My parents would allow me to walk downtown as I got older and and go to the library by myself and walk back home. I mean it was a great time of life. I remember those days clearly. And so I read passages like this and I think, wow, that sounds really nice. I miss those days. Too bad it will never come around again. And you know what? God knows our hearts. He knows the hearts of those that receive this initial message because the next passage he says, this is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. All this seems impossible to you now, a small remnant of God's people. But is it impossible for me, says the Lord of Heaven's army? I think this is a, a drop the mic moment, right? Oh yeah, it seems impossible for you. I'm sure that the other day, when Mary Ann came up here and said, yeah, somebody we trained for seven months to fulfill my position has turned in their two-week notice. How are we ever going to fill this? In 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 a moment of desperation, will you pray with me? And Alicia was called and ready and prepared. And God says, it's impossible for you, sure. Is anything impossible for me? Is anything impossible for me? But our culture's gone so far. I mean, back then we didn't have the internet, and we have this, and we have that. Is anything impossible for God? It does seem impossible when it seems that there are so few dedicated to Jesus. But nothing is impossible, especially when His love is poured out and His Spirit is present so powerfully. And He's saying... Hope again. Hold on to my promises. Now, we don't have people that are in exile returning home like they did. But we do have lost loved ones. We do have friends and family members that maybe have even sat, not in these chairs, because these are, these are new chairs, but maybe sat in this room and worshipped and experienced God's presence. And now they're walking away from Jesus. The lies of the enemy have changed their thinking and the way they live and the way they act. And the enemy has told them that that they're stuck, that they can't change. And and whatever they experienced early on in life was a lie. And we think, it's impossible for God to reach them. God says, is it impossible for me? I'm going to bring the exiles home. So right now, as you're sitting there, There's names, faces, individuals that you love that are coming up right now. Maybe husbands, maybe wives, maybe children, maybe aunts, uncles, friends, whoever else. In this moment, God is challenging you and saying, is it impossible for me to reach them? Here you go, God. I'm going to bring the exiles home. I believe you please please nothing is impossible with God 9 through 17 this is what the Lord of heaven's army says be strong and finish the task ever since the laying of the foundation of the temple of the Lord the Lord of the Lord of heaven's armies you have heard what the prophets have been saying about completing the building Before the work on the temple began, there were no jobs and no money to to hire people or animals. No traveler was was safe from the enemy, for there were enemies on all sides. I had turned everyone against each other, but now I will not treat the remnant of my people as I treated them before, says the Lord of heaven's armies. For I am planting seeds of peace and prosperity among you. The grapevines will be heavy with fruit. The earth will produce its crops, and the heavens will release the dew. Once more, I will cause the remnant in Judah and Israel to inherit these blessings. Among the other nations, Judah and Israel became symbols of a cursed nation. But no longer. Now I will rescue you and make you both a symbol and a source of blessing. So don't be afraid. Be strong and get on with rebuilding the temple. For this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. I was determined to punish you when your ancestors angered me, and I did not change my mind, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But now I am determined to bless Jerusalem and the people of Israel. So don't be afraid. But this is what you must do. Tell the truth to each other. Render verdicts in your courts that are just and that lead to peace. Don't scheme against each other. Stop your love of telling lies that you swear are the truth. I hate all these things, says the Lord. Now, I don't have much time this morning to go really deep into this section of the passage, but as you can tell, there's a lot of meat there, right? A lot you can pull from. And so, let me again remind you guys, your faith and your walk and your Bible study is not dependent on what I preach on Sunday morning. I'm I'm like a boost, right? I'm like that that extra energy boost to what God's already doing in you daily. That's that's my role, is to come alongside your study of God's Word, your relationship with Him, and kind of make sure that you're following the right direction. That's that's what my calling is. So so don't be afraid to get in this passage um, after you leave today. But there's three things in this section that I want to point out. Number one, our part is to not be afraid. To be strong and finish the work He's given us. Not being afraid and being strong, it's easily said, but it's hard to do, right? It's really hard to do. Fear often causes us to try to take control of our lives. It works the same with everybody. You're afraid of what the future's going to bring, you don't feel like you can trust anybody, not even God at certain times, and so you just clam up, you tighten up, you only do what you can do and, and sometimes that means we don't leave our house. Sometimes that means we don't meet with people. We don't open up our heart. We don't open up our lives. Fear cripples us. Which is ironic because that means you also have to step out of God's good will and plan for your life. And what happens when you step out of God's good will and plan for your life? Destruction, death, heartache, all of those things. So, Here's the truth the enemy doesn't want you to know. When you let fear rule in your heart of life and you you seek to gain control, what you're afraid of is going to happen. What you're afraid of is going to happen. But if you allow your faith in Jesus Christ to dictate your motives and actions, fear has no place and his good blessing follows. Can I get an amen? Yeah, that's a good truth, right? He fights our battles. He wants us to know he has us. We just have to boldly walk in faith to do what he's asking us to do daily. At the end of this passage, he clarifies this, and it's very similar to what we saw in in the last week in chapter 7. He says, be speakers of truth. Be vehicles of peace. He said, stop scheming. Do you know what scheming is? Scheming means that we think we have a good plan, a good course of action, and we have to make sure that it reaches the final destination we want it to do. That's not a journey of faith. God may show you something in your future. God may plant something in your heart, something good. He does that, like I shared with with, uh, uh, Alicia and Marianne. God does that, not for me to make that happen, but to affirm it when it does. So often when God gives you a foreshadowing of your future, it's not so it's on you to make it happen. It's so when it does happen, you can give him glory. So often we scheme. We scheme. We manipulate. We we act like we're innocent about it. But behind the scenes, we're trying to make our ends uh, come about our own way. It's It's not a walk of faith. Who's in control? God's in control. He doesn't need our help. And then he says, stop your love of telling lies. Now, I don't know many people that love telling lies. At least I thought of that. But I think you can fall in love with telling lies. Like It's like any other addiction, right? You can get so addicted to what lies can give you in the moment that it becomes a pattern, a self-destructive pattern. And I've known people and I know people that are so driven by the lie that they don't know how to stop and ultimately they don't know who they are and they don't know who they can trust and it's destroyed them the flip side is God's part we don't have to fear or take control because God promises to accomplish everything we worry about if you were to look at that chapter again notice don't be afraid be strong. Finish the task I've given you. Those are the only three, three things he's told us to do in that section. Everything else is what he's doing. Literally, he says, "I know the conditions. There was no food. There was no work. There's no supplies. There's no safe roads. There's reason to fear." But he says, "Now I am planting seeds of peace and prosperity. I will cause you to inherit these blessings. I will rescue you and make you both a symbol and a source." blessings. Guys, nothing good happens in this world without God working and moving. It's not on you. There's only one Savior and it's not us. So let go of the Savior complex that you have to do it all. It's all on you. It's my life and I only have so much time. Yes, it is your life, but God has made you eternal. And He will accomplish His good work in you if you're available and He'll do it through you. Every good thing that's happened in my life has not been because of my talent or ability or where I came from or where I'm going. It's all based on what He's accomplished in and through me. Finally, God is determined to bless us. You know that look of determination, right? I know when my kids are determined to do something. Got the jaw set, the intensity in the eyes, maybe a position in the body, right? I, I was, as I was thinking about this point, summer ministry team came to mind, year 2000. Of course, I, I've shared with you before, it was five of us in a van all over camps and churches in the south for 10 weeks. It was awesome. But undoubtedly, every camp we went to had a swimming pool, and when you're a college student, every kid wants to dunk you, right, in the swimming pool. It was like a wrestle fest. Every time we were the uh, swimming and my my teammates would say you change in that pool they're like you get this look on your face and it's scary <laughs> and i'm like well that's because i'm determined they're not going to dunk me that look of determination you are not and so what we see here is that god says i'm determined to bless you i was determined to punish you for your good and i didn't change my mind but he says now i'm determined my face is set to bless you. Just receive that for a second. God has set his jaw and is determined to bless you. (sighs) COVID, (sighs) ah! Politics, (sighs) ah! Recession, (sighs) ah! How? I don't know. Nothing's impossible with God. He's determined. So why are we afraid? Here's another message that came to me from the Lord of Heaven's armies. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. The traditional fasts and times of mourning you have kept in early summer, midsummer and autumn winter are now ended. They will become festivals of joy and celebration for the people of Judah. So love, truth and peace. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. People from nations and cities around the world will travel to Jerusalem. The people of one city will say to the people of another, Come with us to Jerusalem to ask the Lord to bless us. Let's worship the Lord of Heaven's armies. I'm determined to go. Many peoples and powerful nations will come to Jerusalem and seek the Lord of Heaven's armies and to ask for his blessing. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says in those days ten men from different nations and languages of the world will clutch at the sleeve of one Jew. And they will say please let us walk with you for we have heard that God is with you. In this moment we as believers are often scorned and marginalized. We live by a higher eternal standard. God's law. And God's law does not change when culture changes or popular opinion shifts. And so that makes us an outsider to this generation, an enemy. Uh, And so uh, it causes anyone to fight with us um, because they perceive us as trying to limit their desire for freedom and for control. And so God's standard remains. But God sets the standard for morality, sexuality, identity, and truth. And so we're getting back to a place where we no longer have to mourn what we've lost, but we can celebrate what God is doing. 49 years, Roe versus Wade overturned. Yes, there's battles ahead, but didn't we feel like that was impossible? I mean, we prayed for God to overturn it. We thought it might happen someday in the future, but when that day happened, couldn't we clearly say nothing is impossible with God? and that's one victory. Guys, let me prepare you because you don't want to miss out on it. Revival is coming to the church. The church that's breathing gasps of air will breathe deeply of God's presence again and new life is coming. Another great awakening around the world globally is coming and that's what this passage is talking about people from every tongue and tribe and nation are going to be pursuing God yes things look awful yes things look critical but they have to be because we're not aware of our need unless there's a breaking and this breaking that we're going through is not just happening in the United States this is a first breaking that's happening globally actually the last great breaking that happened globally we can point to was World War II right Now, through COVID and all the other things that are going on, the world is struggling at the same time. And when the world struggles, and they're suffering, and they don't have answers to their questions, guess what? Jesus is the only answer. So be prepared, first of all, for God to do something new in you. But those doors are going to swing over and over and over again. Because God is is calling those in exile back home and we need to be determined people as well there will be a determination in God's people to seek his face and to worship we have to be strong and not be afraid if God is determined for us we should be determined for him and that's the image that you got there A runner, getting ready, looking at the destination. You know how you win the race? You don't get caught up in what the crowd is doing and saying. You don't see a guy eating a hot dog and saying, oh, that looks really good. (laughs) You don't focus on what's behind you. You don't compare yourself to the other runners in the race. You fix your eyes on the destination. And the destination is the loving eyes of Jesus. And he says, come on! Let's be determined. He's passionately in love for us, and He's determined to bless us. Jesus, we receive this word today. Holy Spirit, make your home in us again. Clean out the rooms in our heart that we've filled with things that hinder what you want to do. You're bringing the lost home. You're doing a good work. You are determined. You are determined to bless us. So let us be people of truth and peace. Fear leads to control, that leads to lies and schemes. God, I'm done with the schemes of man, I'm done with manipulation. I want you to work and move. And so, God, unify our church in such a way that we hear your voice clearly. We we have groups called 242 groups. God, I want that to be true of us, where we have everything in common because we're all fully dedicated to you. So do that work in us today. Amen.